Chapter 14 In the Fairy Lists After the arrival of Wild Goose and Moonlight at the master's home, his maids and attendants daily grew greater in number. He appointed to each their particular place of residence. Palaces, halls, galleries, and pagodas were called into requisition. In the palace enclosure, there were 800 musicians, the most beautiful in the empire. They were divided into two divisions, to east and west. To the east were 400, of whom Moonlight had charge, and to the west, a like number with Wild Goose for overseer. These were taught singing and dancing, and were given lessons in music. Each month they all met in the Chonghua Pavilion, and engaged in contests of skill. The master, along with his mother, the two princesses accompanying, would act as judge, give prizes, or require forfeits. Each winner would get three glasses of wine and a wreath of flowers for her brow, crowning her with glory. The loser was given a glass of cold water, and a dot of ink was imprinted on her forehead. This mark was such a disgrace and shame that they labored to escape it and advanced in skill day by day, so that the musicians of Prince Wee and Prince Wool were the finest in the world. One day, the two princesses and the other women were in attendance on the mother. When the master brought a letter to where they were seated and gave it to Princess Orchid, saying, This is a letter from your brother, Prince Wool. The princess opened it and read, the spring weather is so beautiful. May all blessing and happiness be yours. Heretofore, so many affairs of state have engaged you that you have had no leisure. No horsemen have been seen on the festal grounds, and no boats have been moored at the head of Kongmyong Lake. The fathers of the city talk of the splendor and life that accompanied the days of Cho and weep over the departed glory of the past with tearful faces. By the grace of the emperor and your excellency's skill, we are at peace on every hand, and the people are well content. This is the time to recall the happy days of the past. Spring is not yet too far advanced. The weather is agreeable, and the flowers and willow catkins make a man's heart glad. No time is more suitable for an agreeable outing or for sights to see than now. I suggest that we meet on the festal grounds and try a spell at the chase and at music and help the world a little toward the perfection of its joy. If your excellency will kindly consent to choose a day and let me know, I shall avail myself of the privilege of joining you. When the princess had read it, she said to the master, Do you know what lies behind Prince Wool's thought? The master said, Why? Has he some deep thought or other hidden underneath us? Nothing more, I should think, than an ordinary outing among the flowers and willows. It is the proposal of one who enjoys pleasure. The princess answered, Your Excellency does not understand it fully. Prince Wool likes pretty girls and good music. The prettiest girls in the world are not all in the palace. Recently, one arrived at Prince Wool's, a special favorite a noted dancing girl from Muchang, whose name is Okyan. The maids-in-waiting have seen her and lost their hearts to her. 
they are almost beside themselves, feeling that they are mere nothings and nobodies in comparison. Okyan's skill and beauty are without a parallel. And now my brother, Prince Wol, hearing that there are many beautiful women in our home, wants to do as did Wang Kai and Sok Sung in days of yore, and have a trial of skill. I read it indifferently, said the master. Your highness knows his thought better than I do. Cheng Si said, Even though this is to be a trial of skill, entered on but once, let us see to it that our side wins. She nodded to Wild Goose and Moonlight, and added, Though you trained soldiers for ten years, yet the trial you put them to may be only for a morning. Our success rests altogether on the skill of you two leaders. Do your best, I pray you. Moonlight made reply, I am afraid we cannot beat them. Prince Wol's band has the highest reputation in the world, and Okyan from Muchang is echoed from mouth to mouth through all the nine provinces. Prince Wol has already got such an orchestra in hand and such a skillful performer as she to assist that I fear that he will be a very difficult opponent to face. With our one-sided small force, unacquainted with the rules that govern a performance like this, I am afraid that before ever the battle begins, our people may decide to run off and make their escape. Our own shame is not to be specially thought of, but our family would be put to eternal disgrace. The master said, When I first met Moonlight in the Chong Pavilion of Nakyang, they said that she was the prettiest girl by far. And Okyang was there as well. It must be the same person referred to here. When I have Che Kalyang on my side, why should I fear to meet Hang U or Han Pomjing? The princess said, In the palace of Prince Wol, Okyang is not alone the special beauty. Moonlight added, In Prince Wol's palace, the number of those who paint their faces and put on rouge is like the blades of grass on Palkong Mountain. There is no help for it but quickly to make our escape. How can we ever hope to meet them? Please, your highness, ask Wild Goose to take charge of it. I am a person of such small courage that when I hear anything like this, my throat closes up and I am not able to utter a word. Wild Goose apparently grew very angry and said, What do you mean, Moonlight? Is this true? We two have traveled over seventy counties of Guangdong, and not a noted player was there that we did not hear, and not a single singer that we did not listen to. My knees have never yet bowed to another. Why should they yield in the first place to Okyan? If the ladies of Han were there who upset cities and kingdoms by their beauty, or the fairy maids of Cho, who could at will become clouds and rain, I might possibly be startled. But with only this Okyan to face... Why should I be anxious? Moonlight said, Wild Goose, you talk as if it were so easy a matter. True, when we were together in Guangdong, we took part on many great occasions at which there were magistrates, governors, and nobles present. At lesser ones, too, where there were literati and scholars. But we never once met any capable opponents. Now, however, it is a question of Prince Wool with a critical eye, who has grown up among gems and jewels. He regards great mountains and wide seas as nothing. 
How can one mistake a small hill the size of the hand, or the little stream like a thread of silk, for one of these? This is like combating Sano, or like trying one's strength with Punyok. A great general cannot be opposed by a little child. How much less Prince Wall's household by this poor weakling? To beat him lies beyond a hundred miles of probability. How can you look at it so lightly? I see in Wild Goose's boastful word that she has spoken like Cho Kual, foretelling her own defeat. Then she added, speaking to the master, Wild Goose has a boastful spirit. I should like to tell you some of her defects. When she first followed your excellency, she stole one of the fine steeds of the King of Yan, rode it, calling herself a young man from Habuk, and then from the side of the Haitan roadway, along which you were to pass, she greeted you. If Wild Goose be really so graceful and pretty, how was it that your excellency mistook her for a man? On the first night, too, that she was with you, taking advantage of the darkness, she usurped my place. Yet after all this, she says these boastful words. Wild Goose laughed as she replied, Truly, there's no knowing people's minds. Before I followed your excellency, Moonlight praised my beauty and looked upon me as hang of the moon. And now she regards me as more worthless than a cash piece. It must mean that you love me better than you love her, and she wants to have all your love to herself. Then Moonlight and the others laughed, and Blossom said, Since Wild Goose's refinement and delicacy are such, the fact that the master took her for a boy must be due to his defective eyesight. It is nothing to Wild Goose's credit to be so regarded, for Moonlight's words are true. It is not ladylike to assume the guise of a boy and wear men's clothes. Neither would a man's putting on women's clothing to deceive another be considered manly. Because of their weakness and defects in each case, they assume a disguise. The master laughed and said, your ladyship has evidently pointed this joke at me, but I may say in reply that your dear eyes were not bright, for though you could distinguish the different tunes, you did not know a man from a woman. This was due to the fact that though you have ears to hear, your eyes are defective in seeing. If one set of faculties is defective, would you call the person perfect? Though you make light of me, Still, the people who see my picture in the Nungyu Pavilion all praise the majesty of its proportions, its strength, and its dignity. Those assembled laughed delightedly when Moonlight went on. Just now it is a question of falling in and marching out to meet a powerful enemy. Why do we sit idly by and waste time? We two alone cannot be fully trusted to win the day. Suppose we have Cloudlet to help us. Since Prince Wool is not an outsider, Cloudlet could have no special objection to seeing him. Then Chin Si said, If the two, Moonlight and Wild Goose, are to go alone into the arena, I should like to help. But when it comes to singing and dancing, what use would I be? If I go, I fear Moonlight will never win. Cloudlet said, Although I do not excel in dancing and singing, Still, if the question pertain only to my own person, why should I not have a view of such a gathering as this? But if I should go, the people will assuredly point me out 
and say with smiles, Yonder is Prince Wee's wife, second to the princess's blossom and orchid. Such would mean contempt for the master, and would prove a source of anxiety to the ladies. I certainly cannot go. The princess said, In what possible way could the master be dishonored by Cloudlet's going? Or what anxiety could that be for us? Then Cloudlet answered, If we pitch the wide silken awning and the sky-colored tent, the people will naturally say, The general's beloved wife Cloudlet is coming. Then they will rub shoulders and crowd heels and strive to see and push up for a place. And after all will behold only my ill-starred face and frowsy head, and they will say with amazement, General Yang must have disease of the eyes to have chosen such as she for wife. And will this not be a cause of disgrace to the master? Prince Wool has never yet set eyes upon a contemptible performer, and if he should see me, he would undoubtedly be filled with nausea and be made ill. Will not the two ladies be disgraced likewise? The princess said, Cloudlet, really, your modesty is amazing. Once upon a time you changed from a girl into a spirit. Now you want to change from a peerless beauty into a perfect fright. I cannot trust you, Cloudlet, at all. So she referred the matter to the master, saying, In your reply, what day have you decided upon? The master replied, We have decided upon tomorrow. Wild Goose in Moonlight gave a start of dismay, saying, no orders have as yet been issued to the two divisions of dancing girls. How can you possibly have it in as short a time? They then called their leaders together and said, The master has appointed a general gathering for tomorrow, with Prince Wool at the festal grounds, when all the dancing girls of the two divisions are to gather in their best outfits, setting forth at earliest dawn. Eight hundred dancers heard this command, drew long faces, and lifted their eyebrows. But they took their instruments in hand and began to tune up in preparation. On the next day, the master arose early, dressed in ceremonial robe, took bow and arrows, and mounted his snow-white charger. With three thousand chosen huntsmen to attend him, he passed through the south gate of the city. Moonlight, and wild goose, specially dressed and bedecked in gold ornaments and chiseled green stones, and wearing flower embroideries, were in command of the dancers. They rode mounted on beautifully caparisoned horses, seated in gilded saddles with silver stirrups hanging by the side, and jeweled bridle reins in hand. They raised their coral whips and followed close behind the master while eight hundred dancers, mounted on beautiful horses, brought up the rear. On the main roadway they met Prince Wool, and lo, he had hunters and musicians enough to equal those of Master Yang. Thus they rode side by side, when Prince Wool asked of the General Yang, What breed of horse is that you ride, sir? The master replied, A Persian horse. It seems to me that the one your highness rides is the same. Prince Wool made answer, Yes, that is so. This horse's name is Thousand Mile Cloudbreed. Last year, in the autumn, while out hunting along with the emperor, 
There were over 10,000 horses from the imperial stables present. There were perfect wild wind flyers among them, but none of them could equal this one. Now Nephew Chang's fast horses and General Yi's black steeds are both said to be specially fine. But compared with mine, they could hardly be dignified by the name of horse. The master said, Last year, when I led the attack on Tibet over deep and dangerous waters and by precipitous cliffs where a man could not go, this horse walked as freely as if he were on level ground and never once missed his footing. Any success I had was largely due to this good steed's efficiency. You know, Tujami says, one in heart with man and equal to him in merit. He refers to the horse. After I had brought back the forces, my rank was raised, and I lay down office, so that I rode lazily in a palanquin and went softly along the easy way of life, till both horse and man were ready to fall ill. Please, let us lay on the whip and have a race, and see which of these two steeds will win. Let us show the ancients what we can do in the daring field of courage. Prince Wool was greatly delighted and said, those are my sentiments exactly. Then they ordered the leaders who followed them with the two companies of guests and dancers to wait in the tent pavilion. They were about to lay on the whip when suddenly a huge stag that had been awakened by the hunters dashed past Prince Wool. The prince called to the two keepers of the seal to shoot. Several let fly their arrows simultaneously, but they all missed. And the prince, disgusted, dashed forth on his horse, and with one shot in the side felled the huge beast. The soldiers shouted, Long live the prince! The master said, Your marvelous bow outdoes King Yoyang. But the prince said in reply, what is there to praise in a little thing like that? I would like to see your excellency shoot. Won't you give me a sample? Before he had done speaking, a pair of swans came sailing along in the rifts of the cloud, and the soldiers shouted, These birds are hardest of all to hit. We must use a hadong falcon. The master said, Don't disturb them, but carefully fitted an arrow to his bow and let fly hitting a bird and driving the shaft straight through its head so that it fell before the horses. The prince gave a shout of applause and remarked, Your Excellency's skill is equal to that of Yang Yu. Then the two suddenly raised their whips, and away they dashed on horseback, like shooting stars or like devils of the night, with demon flashes of fire accompanying. In an instant, they had crossed the wide plain and had scudded up the hill. The two riders drew rein exactly even. For a time, they stood gazing out over the wide expanse and talked of music and archery. Little by little, the servants began to approach them, bringing the deer and the swan on bearers, which they offered to the prince and to the master. The two dismounted, sat on the grass, drew the sword that was in the hilt, and cut some of the meat, which was cooked and eaten. They passed a glass in mutual congratulation. As they gazed into the distance, they saw two red-coated Yemen servants 
running towards them at great speed with a host of people following. One rushed forward to say, The Emperor and the Empress have sent out refreshments. The Prince and the Master then returned, went into the pavilion and waited. Two officers of the court poured out the imperial wine and ordered two others to bring specially decorated writing paper. They each took one in hand, knelt down, opened the roll, and the subject suggested was the hunt, and the command was given to write. What the master wrote ran as follows. In early morning, with all the combatants, off we go, with glittering swords and arrows like shooting stars. The tent is filled with the prettiest faces in the land. In pairs before the horses are the keen-eyed falcons. We unite to taste with grateful hearts the sweet wine of the king. We draw the glittering sword and cut from the high roast before us. I think of last year and the wild western hordes while I go forth on this happy hunt today. Prince Wall wrote, Flying dragons go by us like the lightning, fitted to the saddle and accompanied by the rattling drum, swift like shooting stars, like arrows that strike the deer. Round as the moon flash the bows and the falling wild goose answers. The joy of the hunter rises in the keen zest of the play, while all faces shine from the royal wines that flow. Let's no more talk of the fine shots of Yo Yang. How could he ever equal the feats of this happy day? The officials received the compositions, bade farewell, and returned within the city, while the two companies of guests sat each in rows, and the stewards passed refreshments. Who can tell of the delightful flavor of wine mixed with milk, and of the tender lips of the monkey? Fruit was there from wool, and potatoes from young, piled high on the green stone platters. And such a banquet none had ever seen, even at the Lake of Gems, with the Western Queen Mother presiding. One need not speak of gatherings under Muji of Han, or of such delicacies or delights ever having been seen before. Behold the dancers ready, a thousand strong, and ranks three deep, with the broad silk awning shading them. The sound of gems and ornaments was like rippling thunder. The slender waists of the dancers were more lithe than the willow. The hundred pretty faces vied with the flowers and freshness and beauty. The sound of harps and flutes surpassed the music of many waters. The singing made the whole South Mountain to tremble. When the glass was passed, Prince Wool said to the master, I, your humble servant, have been the recipient of your abundant favor, and there is no way by which I can return my lively appreciation. I want once to make you glad through the maids of honor that I have brought with me. So, if you please, I will call them and make them sing and dance before your excellency. The master thanked him and said, how should your humble servant look upon the ladies of my lord's household? But since we are brothers, bound together by your sister's gracious favor, I shall venture to be so bold. I, too, have my household here, 
who desire to see the celebration, and I shall call upon them to accompany the ladies of your palace, each following the music according to her own special skill, and so add cheer to the occasion. The prince replied, Good, how happy your suggestion is. Then Moonlight and Wild Goose and four dancers of Prince Wool came forth and made their obeisance before the dais. The master said, In ancient times, King Yong had one famous dancing girl, whose name was Lotus Bud. Yi Taibaek earnestly requested King Yong that he might hear her sing, but he never dreamed of asking to see her face. Now I, your humble servant, see all these pretty dancers and behold their beauty, and am therefore blessed many times beyond Yi Taibaek. What are the names of these four, please? The four then advanced and gave answer for themselves, saying, I am the Cloud Fairy of Kum Nung. I am Hairpin of Chin Ju. I am Okyon of Mu Chang. I am Soft Winnie of Chang An. Then the master remarked to Prince Wol, When I was a young scholar and traveled from place to place, I heard the famous name of Okyon. Now that I see her face to face, she far surpasses in beauty the renown that preceded her. Prince Wol, hearing the names of Moonlight and Wild Goose, and recognizing them, said, These two famous women are noted the world over, and now they have become attached to your excellency's household. They certainly have been very fortunate in the master they have chosen. I wonder where you first met them. The master replied, Moonlight I met on my way to examination. When I reached Nakyang, she came to me of her own accord. Wild Goose was originally attached to the palace of the King of Yong, but when I went there as envoy, she made her escape and followed me. The prince clapped his hands, laughed and said, Wild Goose had courage indeed. The master went on. When I think of those days, really, it is amusing. A poor scholar like me, riding a mean little donkey, with but a boy to accompany me, started out on my way. I was overtaken with thirst and drank overmuch fragrant wine, and when crossing Chonjin Bridge, found several score of the literati youth enjoying themselves with music and dancing. I took courage and went in. My poor clothes and headgear were put to shame by the dresses of the slaves that served. But I took a seat, and there was moonlight. In the exhilaration of the moment, I never thought of making a laughingstock of myself, but wrote a verse or two. I do not know now what I wrote or what it was like, but moonlight chose it before all the others and sang it. There had been an agreement in the first place that moonlight should be given to the one whose verse she chose to sing, so there was no question that she was mine. Besides, it was a predestined affinity that settled the matter between us. Prince Wool laughed and said, You are winner in more than one field. Certainly, to win her was more marvelous and delightful than being crowned with laurel. I am sure what you wrote must be very fine indeed. Might I hear it? The master replied, How can I possibly recall what I wrote then? Then the prince said to Moonlight, 
The master has forgotten the verse that he wrote when he first met you. Can you not recite it for me? Moonlight said, I remember it well. Shall I write it out and hand it to your highness, or shall I sing it? The prince, pleased with the reply, said, If you would sing it, as well as give it to me, I should be delighted. Then Moonlight advanced and sang, so that the assembled guests were transfigured with joy. The prince, overcome with a sense of wonder and awe, praised her, saying, Your Excellency's gift in writing and Moonlight's soft, compelling song are nowhere to be equaled. The bouquets of flowers that bloom forth from that song of yours rival the pretty girl's soft robes and ornaments. It would make even Yi Taibaik take a second place. How can those who make a pretense at writing nowadays ever venture to look at such? Wine was then passed in a golden goblet filled to the brim, and thus were Moonlight and Wild Goose rewarded. The four dancers from Prince Wool's palace and these two sang together the tune of long life, and the assembled guests announced them angels from heaven. Okyan's name was rated with that of Moonlight and Wild Goose. The three others, while not equal to Okyan, were yet wonderfully skillful. The prince, congratulating himself on the occasion and highly pleased, now asked all the guests to step forth from the tent to see the military master's sword exercise, spear drill, and charging in the lists. He said, the women's horsemanship and shooting with the bow are worth seeing. Several among my palace maids are adepts. Your excellency has among yours, no doubt, women from the north who would, if you gave command, shoot a rabbit or pheasant for the amusement of the assembled company. The master was pleased at this and gave the order for a score or more to be chosen, who were practiced with the bow and in dashing horsemanship. These, with the maids from the palace of Prince Wool, laid wagers. Suddenly, Wild Goose stepped forward and said, Though I am not trained with the bow, still, I have seen a great deal of riding and shooting, and today I should like to try. The master gave ready assent, unfastened the bow from his own belt, and handed it to her. Wild Goose took it and said to the combatants, Even though I do not hit the mark, you girls must not laugh at me. At once she mounted, as if by wing, one of the fastest horses, and sped away from before the tent. Just then, a pheasant came flying from the copse. Wild Goose instantly straightened her slender back, grasped the bow, and the arrow went singing through the air when a bunch of feathers in all the five colors fell before the horse's head. The master and the prince clapped their hands and gave a ringing outburst of applause. Wild Goose turned rapidly, rode back and alighted before the tent. She walked slowly to her place and sat down, while all the girls congratulated her, saying, We have trained for ten years, and all to no purpose. But Moonlight turned to her and said, Though we too have not been beaten by the dancers from Prince Wool's palace, still, there are four of them, and we only two. This is hard work. Our not bringing Cloudlet was a great mistake. Though dancing and singing are not Cloudlet's specialty, her beauty and grace are such as would hold their own with Okyan's company, 
she gave a sigh. Suddenly, two women were seen coming from the farthest side of the grounds in a swift palanquin across the blooming green sward. They reached the entrance of the pavilion. When the gatekeeper said, Do you come from Prince Wool's palace or from the home of the Prince of Wee? The charioteer replied, These two ladies are from the household of General Yang. They have been delayed, and so did not get here at first with the others. The soldier guards then went in and reported the matter. Master Yang said, It is evidently Cloudlet who has come to see. But why has she come in this unaccountable way? Call her in. The two ladies, wearing embroidered shoes, alighted from the palanquin. In front was Swallow, and behind was the maiden seen so clearly in the dream, the daughter of the Tanjong Dragon King. The two came forward before the master and bowed. Then Yang pointed towards Prince Wol and said, This is his highness, Prince Wol. Go and make your obeisance to him. When they had done so, the master gave orders that they should be placed beside wild goose and moonlight. Then he said to Prince Wol, These two maidens I met first on my campaign against the Tibetans. I have been so busy recently that I did not have opportunity to bring them before. They have come in order that they might enjoy the music and see the sights of the day. When the prince had looked at them again, he saw that they were beautiful, like sisters to Moonlight and Wild Goose, with their grace of form even enhanced if that were possible. The prince was astonished, and all the faces of the galaxy from his palace turned pale as ashes. He asked, What are the names of these two ladies, and where are they from, please? One of them replied, saying, I am Sim, the swallow. I come from West Yangju. And the other replied, saying, I am White Cap, who came originally from the neighborhood of the Sosang River. Unfortunately, I met with trouble and made my escape from home and have taken refuge with the master. The prince said, These two maidens are not mortals, I am sure. Do they know how to play the harp? Swallow replied, I am a humble person from a distant part, and never heard the harp in my early days. By what possibility could I entertain your highness? In my childhood, I learned the sword dance, but this is an entertainment of the camp and not of the drawing room. The prince was now all excitement and said to the master, in the days of Hyun the great dancer Kong Son was renowned the world over for her skill in sword dancing. Later generations lost the art, and I have always felt sorry that I have not seen it. Now that you say the maid is skilled in sword dancing, I am more delighted than ever. Then the prince and the master each drew from their belt the sword that they carried and gave it. Swallow fastened up her sleeves, put off her belt ornaments, and stepped forth to dance. At once, from top to floor came the flashing of the blades and the swift, fierce passings from side to side. The red cheeks and bright sword blades melted into one, like the snows of the third moon that fall on the red buds of the springtime. Suddenly, the speed of the sleevelets increased, and the whirling edges went faster and fiercer, till a blaze of white light filled the tent 
and Swallow's form was lost entirely to view. Mysteriously, a rainbow halo suddenly appeared, and a cool wind was about to pass between the cups and glasses of the feast board. All the assembled company felt a shuddering in their bones, and their locks stood on end. Swallow intended to give an exhibition of the various forms she had learned, but fearing that it would cause alarm to the prince, stopped, threw down the sword, bowed, and retired. The prince was some time in recovering his senses. Then he said, How could any mortal attain to such skill as that? I have heard that many fairies are skilled in the sword dance. Tell me, are you not a fairy? Swallow said in reply, The custom of the West is to practice feats of skill with military weapons. So I learned this when I was a child. Why should you think me a fairy? The prince said, When I go back to my palace, the best dancers among my maids shall be chosen and sent to you in the hope that you will kindly teach them. Swallow bowed and gladly assented. The prince then asked Whitecap, What special skill have you, young lady? Whitecap replied, My home overlooked the Sosang River, the place where Ah Wang and Yo Yang played together, where the skies seem so far away and the nights are so quiet, with soft breezes and a clear moon. From between the gentle rifts of the clouds, I have heard again and again the strains of the harp, and these from my earliest childhood I set myself to imitate. I used to play there alone and was so happy. I am afraid your highness would not care for it, however. The prince said, In the writings of the ancients, we read that Ah Wang and Yo Yang played upon the harp, but I have never heard that their tunes were passed on to mortal generations. If you have learned and know them, let us hear them. Why should we compare them with the common music of the day? Then White Cap drew from her sleeve a small harp and played in tones indescribably tender, clear, and persuasive, like waters hurrying through the mountain passes, or like the wild geese clamoring the long length of heaven. All the guests were deeply moved, and tears began to flow. Suddenly, the petals of the flowers trembled, and the rustlings of autumn broke in upon the scene. The prince, mystified, said, I never heard before that music could move the seasons in their course. If you are only immortal, how is it that you can turn spring to autumn, or cause the leaves to fall? Could any mere human being ever learn a tune such as this? Whitecap replied, I have passed on merely the dregs of what I have heard, and have shown no special skill in the little that I have played for you. Okyon here interrupted and addressed the prince, saying, Though I have no special skill of my own, yet there is one tune that I should like to play to your highness. It is called the Song of the White Lotus. Shall I play it? She took up a harp, such as was used in Chon King's time, went forward, and began to twang the strings. Across the twenty-five of them that lined the board passed her hands in sweet and lovely music, well worth the hearing. The master, as well as the two dancers, Moonlight and Wild Goose, praised its beauty, 
and the prince was greatly delighted.